Welcome back to Home Design Chat with Nancy. If you're remodeling or building a new home, you don't want to miss these podcasts. We share information about every component of your home. You'll learn about tile, appliances, cabinetry, paint, flooring, trends. Yes, we have it all. Well, today is February 2nd, and I have a special guest. I'm really excited about this because when you're going to remodel or build your home, a lot of times you need um, professional help. You don't just start by uh, getting up in the morning and deciding to break down some walls. So we have Chris Novelli with us today, and he is a licensed architect who has been working in the field for over 22 years. Chris is licensed in Massachusetts, Connecticut, and Rhode Island. I'm sure he would love to be in Arizona at this time because he's under snow. And he's the owner and principal architect of N3 Architecture, located in Hopedale, Massachusetts. Chris is an educator and has taught design studios and construction management classes at the University of Massachusetts, Amherst, as well as the Boston Architectural College. Chris is the host of two podcasts, not just one, the Home Design Academy, where he helps homeowners understand design and construction so they can communicate more effectively with their architects and contractors to make better decisions on their projects. And he has another podcast entitled Empty Lots and discusses planning and urban design for small to mid-sized cities. In this architectural practice, Chris is focused on delivering custom home designs that are specifically to the property's environmental conditions and how his clients and their families actually live in their homes. So today, Chris is going to explain to us where the project starts, how it starts, and how he works with his clients. So Chris, thank you for taking your time to talk to us about this. Thank you very much, Nancy, for having me on your show. And how'd you like that intro? Pretty good, huh? That, yeah, yeah, pretty nice. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so somebody wants to build a home, and they come to you, and they go, I don't know where to start. So what do you do? Well, I think that the project actually starts years before they come to me, right? Someone decides to build a new custom home. They're not just making that decision on a whim and calling up an architect or a designer or a builder. They've been dreaming about that project for many, many, many years. Um, and they've been, most likely they've been looking through magazines or websites or uh, social media, and they've been gathering images on what they like and what they don't like. Maybe they've looked at house plans online and see what they like and what they don't like. Or maybe they're evaluating the homes that they go into from friends and families and say, I like this and I want this in my new house or not, or that in my new house. So that dreaming stage could last many, many years. But as an architect, what I'm really interested is the point in which they raise their hand and they decide to move forward. And getting professionals like like myself and, and, and you involved early in those decisions and early in the process Mm -hmm. because I think that there's many mistakes that can be made in that dreaming phase. Um, Number one would just be getting attached to a particular style that may not work with your, uh, with your property or with your climate, or maybe it's getting attached to too many different styles or too many different things. It's sort of that analysis paralysis, right? Where you, where you can, where you can look at things and save images for so long. And that if you try to then present, present that to a design professional and say, this is what I want. It, 
can be end up being this mis- mismatch of 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 different styles and different uh, goals. So I think getting a design professional involved very early, even before you purchase land, even before you're actually serious about renovating a project uh, property, um, is is a good thing. Do you ever uh, go with somebody before they purchase property to say, oh, yeah, this would be a good piece of property because it's got good views or it's got it's facing north, south or whatever? I mean, is that part of your you know, service? Y- yes, I, I do offer that service. That's called a feasibility study. Um, and I wish more homeowners would take advantage of that. Um, this is nothing against realtors. But realtors cannot really determine what you can actually build on a property. And sure, you can you can evaluate something and say this looks this looks great, or it has amazing views, or it's on a lake, or it's on an ocean, or it's on a river, or you have this view out to a pasture. All that stuff is great. But what if the zoning doesn't allow for the size of house that you want? Or what if there's uh, rock outcroppings that that might prevent you from from uh, installing a, a foundation. Uh, what if there's no utilities on site? So I think the feasibility study um, it can be really value, valuable for someone who is looking at buying a property and they don't want to buy the wrong property. Mm-hmm. So have you ever said to somebody who was dead set on buying a piece of property, there's no way the house that you like is going to go on this property? Do you talk them out of purchasing the property or changing the style of the house? Well, I don't think I've ever actually talked someone out of buying a property, but I have helped homeowners make the decision before, where if they come to me and say, we're looking at these two or three pieces of property, I can do a quick a quick study on what's possible on each and, and make my recommendation on which one I think uh, would suit their needs better. Mm-hmm. Do you ever build on mountainsides? I don't um, know if there's any so, mountains in Massachusetts. Uh, there, we, we, have some, we have some small mountains, but you know, if you get into uh, the western part of Massachusetts, there's the Berkshire Mountains and then you know, certainly up up in New Hampshire and Vermont, there's plenty of mountains. Um, I I haven't had the actual uh, opportunity to build a, a mountainside home yet, but I would love the opportunity to do that. So, I anyone listening? <laughs> right. Well, if you want to come to Arizona, we have a lot of people yeah. building on mountains, and I know from listening to them, you know, the uh, the surveying, the retention walls, just yep. the cost of bringing everything up the mountain. Mm-hmm. And then down the mountain, yeah, um, is, definitely is pricey. So you've yep. got to, yeah, it's um, something that you really have to save for. I mean, because the prices are not inexpensive. It, it's uh, yeah, it's definitely something you have to consider. Oh yeah, uh, so uh, so actually, before you start your project, you have to get the land surveyed, right? Mm-hmm. Correct. Yes. Yeah, so there's so many people. Um, whether they're just putting an addition on on their house or if they're building a new house that think that they don't need a survey, but you, an architect really can't get started until they have a survey or they shouldn't get started. Maybe with some some conceptual work, but I mean, I have talked to, I've worked on projects where people would say, I want, I want to put an addition off the side of my house. Uh, and it looks like there's plenty of room uh, in the yard, in the property, to put that addition on. 
But once you actually get a survey in hand and do a zoning review and you see what those side yard setbacks are, it's, it's you know, sometimes prohibitive. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so what I don't want is I don't want people to spend money on my services designing something and then go to the to, to the town to pull to pull a building permit right and the building inspector will say where's your survey and then they say oh i didn't know i needed a survey or or i didn't think that I, a survey was was required and then they get their property surveyed and, and you can't actually build that addition i mean if they're working with me that's never going to happen because i'm going to you know explain to them how important getting a survey is but yeah, you got to get a survey before you actually do any 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 real work. Well, I'm sure that when you first meet with the people, you have a list of this is what we need, the survey being one of them. Yes, so absolutely. You mentioned before about people not realizing about surveys, but they also, because they don't do this a lot, they don't realize how much it's going to cost to either put a room addition on. I have the same problem when somebody wants to remodel a kitchen. This Mm -hmm. is not something they do often. They buy shoes often, but they don't remodel their kitchen. So everything is new to them. So how do you start talking about cost? I mean, where do you start? I think it's it's very important to, to start talking about costs from the very first meeting because you need to set those expectations. And unfortunately, there's reality TV shows that, don't accurately uh, project how much things actually cost. Um, and I've actually, yeah. I've actually had some conversations with people who produce those shows, and 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 they were pretty honest that said, you know, we can't show what it would actually cost because we'd lose viewers. Right? It's and a so, lie to them, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So I think understanding costs is something you need to need to know from the, from the beginning, right? If you have, if you have, uh, um, a budget of $300,000 and you're looking to build a 2000 square foot house. And if the, uh, cost per square foot is $250 a square foot, which is a pretty low cost per square foot these days, uh, that's a $500,000 house, right? So if you only have 300,000, you're not going to be able to build that 2000 square foot house. Yeah, it's just a reality check, I guess. Yeah. So I guess, you know, at least at a, at a, at a budget level, yeah, you need to understand costs from the beginning. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I do find that when they remodel their house, and as you know, what I do. Um, and it's shocking, but then you have to, and I'm sure you do this too, you say, okay, what's your wish list, and let's bring it down to uh, realizing that you have so much money and we have to whittle away some of what you wanted. And that's just part of life. Yeah. And sometimes I, I, I have this uh, uh, phase in my, in my process that I like to call performance programming. And well, if your viewers don't, don't know, programming is just a list of spaces and, and the approximate sizes. So I need three bedrooms, two bathrooms, kitchen, living room, dining room. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's programming. Performance programming, what, the way that I define it, is designing about how you live, right? And designing about how you – not only how you, you want to live, but how you think – how you want your house to perform in, on an efficiency basis. So there's times where I talk to people and in the getting to know you phase, I have several, um, you know, extensive interview questions or, or surveys – and a lot of times, you know, people will say, I want space 
to hold parties, right? I want to entertain. Mm-hmm. But then when I ask them, how, how often do you entertain? They say, oh, once a year. And it's like, well, why would you build, why would you build an extra 500 square feet for something that you're going to use once a year? So I think there's that, there's, you can have those discussions and, and maybe it's not sort of whittling away the things that they dream about, but maybe it's, let's reduce it to what's necessary. Yeah, let's do the reality, like you said, a reality check. Yeah. Um, so let's talk, <laughs> we have to talk about change orders. And a lot of people don't understand that. And I'm sure you hit that point where, well, somebody decides halfway through the building. Do you um, do you monitor the building or do you work with the general contractor? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I I, yeah. I, I, I don't like working on projects where I'm not involved in the construction right, phase. Right, me too. So a lot of people don't understand. They just think, well, you know what? Can we just change that wall and after it's built? And so explain change orders and the reality of change orders. See, change orders get this bad rap, right? It's like the, like something something's wrong, right? And yeah, sure, there's, there's these extreme cases where maybe something was drawn incorrectly or, or documented incorrectly and that has to be correct and has to be uh, fixed. But most change orders, especially in the residential realm, come from the owner. It comes oh, yeah, from exactly. exactly what you said. We planned on doing one thing and then you changed your mind. Right. And and you plan on doing something else now. And that's going to cost some extra money. So not only that, it extends yeah. the um, the end date of the project, which, which a lot of could, people don't understand. Yeah. And if it extends the end date of the project, then it extends the general conditions fee from your contractor because they need to make money, too. Right. They need to pay their employees and their insurance and stuff like that. So it it's sort of this compound effect where it's, you know, it might be more for the materials. It might be more for the labor then you're lo- a longer schedule and a, a more for the general conditions. So, yes, and I've explained to people that it's uh, cheaper to erase than it is to rebuild. So, they just mm-hmm. before they pick before somebody picks up the hammer, make sure that everything is the way they want it, plain and yeah. simple. It, it is. It is so much easier to make changes on paper. Yeah. Right? And, yeah. and people might people might try to save money by by you know cutting out services from their designer or cutting out services from their architect and say oh you don't need to detail this or draw this but it's a it's a lot easier to make those changes on paper than it I is. I know. I've been in situations is. or I've seen situations where the homeowner will go to the framer, not say anything to anybody else but hey, can you just do this and do that and they don't realize that that trickles down to everything. So yeah. you have so the homeowner has to be on the same page with the architect, the designer, the general contractor. We all create a team to uh have a successful project the the team the team is important and yeah. uh the situation you just outlined right there with a with a homeowner talking to a framer unfortunately that happens more on residential construction than it mm-hmm. does in commercial right and i wish uh, you know homeowners need to understand that there's a chain of command right there's a flow of information and it has to flow in, in a proper way or else there's going to be confusion, right? Mm-hmm. And that that flow of information has to go from the owner to the designer or the architect, and the designer or the architect then will talk to the contractor. Now, you can all be in the same room, right? But you don't want to be having conversations without those, uh, those other people present, especially if something's going to change. Because just like you said, uh, it, it, 
it could lead to these situations where people don't know exactly what's going on. And in in no circumstance, I don't think ever, should a a homeowner be talking to um, someone from the construction team that's not the project manager. And you know, the, you can say hi, how's it going? Let looks nice, sort of thing. But don't say I want to make this change to the person who's framing your wall, right? You need yeah. to be talking to the to the project manager yeah. or or the owner of the company. Yeah. Well, there again, they don't realize that maybe by changing a wall, by shortening a wall, and I'm going to talk kitchen, that will affect the whole look of the kitchen, and maybe the cabinets that we were planning on are. Um, longer than the wall that they just yeah. shortened so absolutely to put it bluntly. <laughs> absolutely and what if what if those cabinets have already been ordered too yeah. you know and then and so yeah you, you can't make changes that you can't make one change without affecting 100 different things oh definitely well i'm going to talk about monogram that's one of the important things in a kitchen appliances you cannot have a kitchen without appliances and you can experience peace of mind convenience and an optimized performance with the smart HQ app that Monogram has. This elevates the way you interact with your home and appliances by allowing you to do things like preheating your oven from your phone and checking how much time remains on your dishwasher cycle. And I'm sure everybody would love to do that. So go to monogram.com to learn more or visit your local showroom to see these appliances in person. And I will say that there's still a long lead time on appliances and everything else. So when you are planning on remodeling or building think about the appliances first because the design also comes from the appliances you choose not so much the brand but the size so on with our next point and i'm looking at a very wonderful outline that you sent me so let's talk about um did we go to pre-design we've talked about most of that already uh, yeah, yeah, we we talked about it a little bit. Before we move on to pre-design, though, I just want to touch on one one other mistake that I see homeowners making in the early phase or the pre-renovation phase. If if they're mm -hmm. undertaking a renovation, and, and this happens so often to me when I talk to homeowners, where we I'm I'm called in to 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 discuss to discuss a, a renovation project, renovation in addition. And I learn that two years ago the the homeowner replaced the windows, or oh we just we, we just put a new roof on last year last summer, and it's like it, I cannot stress this enough. If you're planning or if you're thinking or dreaming of a major renovation and addition project, do not do those large scale uh, repair work or, or or upgrades until you do it as part of the part of the project so just think thinking of the roof for an example what happens if you can't get a, a shingle that matches uh exactly so now you have half of your roof as as one color and then uh the other half of the roof or or the addition is a, is a slightly different color and that will just you know it you can you can sometimes get something close but it might not match exactly so if you're gonna, if you're thinking about doing an addition, and you want to replace your windows, your siding, your roofing, I say wait to do it as part of the bigger project. Yeah. Also, um, painting the house or painting the house. Yeah, exactly. Anything, anything having yeah. to do with the house, because you might at that point say, let's go with a different color now that we have the addition, and you would be able to show them what the elevation looks like, and maybe they'll add siding to it or stone or whatever. So, mm -hmm. uh, don't jump the gun and. You know, keep saying, rely on the professionals. 
Yeah. The same thing on the interior, right? You just talked about those wonderful monogram appliances, right? If, if someone's thinking of doing a major kitchen upgrade or a major renovation project, don't replace your appliances six months before you do that. Right? Yes. Because and I've had, situ- I've had situations where people go, but we have to, the refrigerator just went on the fritz. Well, think of uh, maybe getting a smaller refrigerator to putting it in the garage. I don't know if you do that in Massachusetts. We do it here or in mm-hmm. a laundry room. Or sometimes we can borrow or get a used refrigerator just as an interim refrigerator. So don't yeah. don't be so quick to do anything without knowing uh, or letting your designer, your architect, your builder know, especially if you've got a big project coming up. So getting into the pre-design phase, like you just right. mentioned, mm-hmm. um, at this point, you've hired your design professionals, you've purchased land if you're building a new house, um, you've checked with your your design professionals or or local inspector to see if you can actually put an addition on if you're planning an addition you've understood your what at least at a rough level what things are going to cost and how how long things are going to go so now you're in this pre what I, the what I call the pre-design phase you're ready to get started so the first thing i like to start off with is a site analysis and that tells me uh, first off, the environmental conditions. Where Where is the sun angles at different po- times of the day and w- at different times of the year? And that really leads into uh, how the interior spaces can be arranged. Um, it, and also in the site analysis, is there any views or is, where's the prevailing winds coming from? Um, is there any site features to be uh, accentuated or or constraints to be avoided? So that site analysis phase is really important, I think, in mm-hmm. terms in coming up with how your house will actually be laid out. It's not just designing a floor plan uh, on a blank piece of paper and saying that's going to work because every site is different and every condition is different. Oh, yeah. Well, there again, depending on the site, that also then leads to your window package, You right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Your, your whole exterior envelope it will affect all of that yeah okay so what's next so next after after you've done the site analysis um you've done the zoning review uh this which is your local ordinance um that tells you how far away you have to be from the property lines how tall you're allowed to build what size you're allowed to build how much of your land you're able to cover all those sort of things if you have to get a variance, then you have to then you have to um, kind of get into the queue. It could be several months where you have to if you have to go to the zoning board of appeals because you're encroaching on a on a property line or you want to build something a little taller. And do you um, do so, that, Chris? Yes, I do. I help I help my clients with that. Um, a lot of times, there's uh, uh, and also a civil engineer is going to be need to need to be involved because while I can do a calculation on how much of what percentage of your property the the house is going to cover, um, a lot of municipalities will will not accept that information unless it comes from a licensed civil engineer. So, mm-hmm. so that's that's something to keep in mind that if you have to go to a zoning board, then you might have to hire a civil engineer as well. Yeah, a lot more than just uh, getting some wood and starting to build. Yeah, yeah. Or do most of your, uh, I'm sure, most of your homes have basements? 
Yeah, a lot of a lot of the homes in in the northeast have basements because we have to uh, at least get down four feet below grade to to be below the frost line. So mm-hmm. at that point, why not just go down another couple of feet and you can use that space for storage? But do you ever build a house without a basement? Yeah, I built uh, houses without basements, uh, slab on grade houses. Yeah. Oh, I was going to say when I lived back east, I don't remember, but. Now, thinking back, when I was a kid, we had friends who didn't have a basement. And I thought every mm-hmm. house had a basement there, and I was shocked. Like, wow, why would they not build a basement to it's save not money? As, it's <laughs> not as common. But, yeah, you can, you can, you can potentially save a little bit of money on, on the framing. Yeah. And here in Arizona, it's odd when I see a house with a basement. Very odd. Yeah, yeah. You don't have to worry about the frost heaves down there. Not in Phoenix. Of course, we do as you go up the mountain. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what's next? I'm so just next is moving so along. next next we're still in the pre-design phase. We're the next two things are what I talked about earlier: per- programming and performance programming. So, programming is the list of spaces and their general sizes, and the performance programming is how you want to live in your house. And so, I like to I like to tell the story of my in-laws. Uh, my father-in-law loves to go to sleep very, very early and wake up very, very early. And he likes to wake up, I don't know, 4, 4.30 in the morning, go into the kitchen, pour himself a cup of coffee, read the news. I mean, it used to be the newspaper, but now he does it on his phone or his tablet. Uh, my mother-in-law is the exact opposite. She likes to work late. She, she'll pull out her laptop. Once my father-in-law goes to sleep, she'll pull out her laptop and she'll work till midnight. And she likes to sleep a little longer. So if I was designing a house for them, I would put – first off, I would separate the kitchen and the bedroom as far as possible. Right? Maybe give each one of their own bedroom. Maybe, <laughs> yeah, maybe give each one their own bedroom. But I would, I would, I would place the um, – I would place the kitchen on the the east side of the house so it can capture the morning sunlight. And I would position the, the, the master bedroom on the west side of the house so it stays a little darker so my mother-in-law could sleep a little longer. That's just that's just one example. I also have another example that I like to tell people where I have a friend who likes to watch football and he has parties every Sunday. And so if I was designing a house for him, I would not position the living room in a spot where the afternoon sun is putting a glare on the TV, right? So when I talk about performance programming, it's it's those little things. It's about your daily routines and what do you do when you first walk in? Where do you put your keys? Where do you put your shoes? Um, where do you drop your bags if you have a bag? Um, what do you do on the weekends when you wake up in the morning? What do you do at Friday night? All these different scenarios of how you live your life can can be used as design cues for for your professional to Mm -hmm. to shape the house around how you actually are going to going to live and so when i talk about sorry sorry to cut you off when i talk about custom design for me custom design is is that right it doesn't and it doesn't really cost anymore right it doesn't cost any more money to put the bedroom on the east side of the house versus the west side of the house Mm -hmm. right so but by putting the, the bedroom on the west side of the house for my in-laws, that's custom for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I keep bringing up kitchen design because I know that <laughs> so well. The three keys when we are asking all these questions, people think, well, why do I have to tell you? Uh, it's so important because we have to know their lifestyle, mm-hmm. the function, and the budget. And I know yep. a lot of times I've asked budget and they go, 
Well, they don't want to give you the numbers because they're afraid that we're going to just go over their budget and try to yes. explain that they have to, so they keep that yeah. a secret. As far as lifestyle goes, and I use this example, if you tell me you want a 48-inch freestanding range that costs $14,000 and you cook once a month, you're either yeah. trying to show mm -hmm. off to your friends and neighbors or you don't realize that this is something that you can put the money towards something else, not spend a fortune on something you're never going to use or rarely going to use. So yep, those, are the, exactly. those are why we ask all those questions. Yeah, it's it's critical. It's critical to, to understand. And even even when you when you meet with someone for the first time, like sometimes I'll go into a, a homeowner's current home, and I can tell they just cleaned up. Right, everything is like perfectly pristine, pristine yes. right yeah. and that's like not a life home. <laughs> and that's not life like i want to walk in when i'm walking in to meet you i want to see a pile of you know old mail on your on your countertops or your kids school books thrown all over the place because that tells me things that tells me things about how you live right and that tells me that you might need a spot designed specifically for you to to place these items on uh, or organized around when you when you get home mm -hmm. right yes or they need help in organizing yeah or they need help in organizing <laughs> <laughs> yeah. okay so we talked about appliances now we're going to talk about plumbing fixtures which i know is really important that you have to know about too uh, Studio 41 is a complete solution for any kitchen or bathroom project design. They provide everything for your project from complimentary design services, which they can people can use if they don't know me, to the best quality products and innovations available in the industry today. Begin your project with a visit to one of Studio 41's 14 premier kitchen and bath showroom locations and explore their stunning lifestyle displays. I might add that Studio 41 has all of their showrooms in the uh, state of Illinois, but you can still go online to shop or see what they offer. And they also have one beautiful showroom in Scottsdale that I frequent um, with my clients, and that's how I started knowing about them. So if you want to know more about Studio 41, go to shopstudio41.com. Okay, Chris, are we getting into the meat of the design here? Yeah, now we're getting into the fun stuff. Schematic design, which is, if for those who don't know that terminology, it's essentially the rough draft. So schematic design has several iterations to it. Uh, design is always an iterative process. But schematic design, um, I like to provide my clients with multiple options. If you're coming to me with an addition or a new house, um, I'll most likely come back with two or three different design options that will be completely different from one, one another. And the goal here is to understand what you like and what you don't like. And sometimes it's hard to express, especially for those who are not used to it, it's hard to express those in words, just having a conversation. But once things are on paper and you can start to see it, it's a little bit easier to say, oh, I like that, but I don't like that. And so schematic design first starts with those, with those, initial, with those initial options, and then then it's it's refined uh, to a, you know maybe it's taking a little bit of from from option A and a little bit of option B combining it together trying something new and you, that's a, a back and forth process until until you get the house layout and design um, how you like it. 
Okay, so do you find that a lot of people, they're looking at a floor plan, I understand it's a rough schematic, they don't quite understand how to read a blueprint or how to understand these drawings. You almost have to, uh, or do you, do some sort of a 3D in this? With oh the yeah, ab absolutely. Uh, uh, the the software these days is in, is incredible. Mm -hmm. um, you can you can use a, a building inform information modeling software um, where it will draw the plan in the three dimension in, per in at the same time. And then you can show that to the client, both on the exterior and the interior. But one thing that I find is that homeowners are a little, I don't know, maybe they think that a design is too set in stone if I show them hard line drawings from the beginning. So so actually, like in the in the very early stages of design, I like to I like to show them all uh, freehand drawings. Mm -hmm. um, whether it's whether you know a lot of times I'm working working out those those spaces on the computer, but then I'll print it out and trace over it. But the freehand drawings, both in plan and in the in the perspective views, they're a little bit looser. They leave a little bit to the imagination, and I think it allows the homeowner some comfort in 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 having that dialogue. Mm -hmm. And how often do you have um, a good dialogue with people? Sometimes when I'm doing a kitchen, I don't get any questions. And then other times I feel more comfortable working with a client that has a back and forth communication with me. I think I, I get a lot of, of good back and forth communication with just about all of my clients. But one thing that's tricky is when um, if it's a husband and wife, where they might not act, uh, agree on everything, so that's oh, that's always. Does good. that really happen there? Oh, oh, come on, yeah, <laughs> every time. So, what do you do in that case? I know uh, there's been several times I said I don't want to be in the middle of the two of mm -hmm. you. That's not my job. Um, you try to compromise. I know I've tried to do that. Yeah, you can try to compromise. You can say I, I like to say the pros and cons of each method. Or sometimes mm -hmm. I would just say, "Hey, if if this was my if this was my project, I would do this." Mm -hmm. and, yeah, and, but ultimately yeah. it's up to the end user or the client yeah. or the yep. homeowner, whatever we want to call them. Okay, do we go in? When do we go into uh, refining the design? So uh, refining the design is 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 a little bit ahead of the game at this point. We're, we still have multiple options on the table, right? We're still, maybe they've been narrowed down to two, maybe they've been narrowed down to like one and a half or one with a couple of different, um, a couple of different options for, for different rooms. But at this stage, at this early stage, I also like to talk about energy efficiency and outlining energy efficiency goals. And so, um, Energy efficiency and sustainability is not just about how much insulation you put in your house, right? That's important, uh, especially in colder climates like I have, I am up here. It's the the building sciences is more these days about controlling condensation, which is a, a huge deal in any climate. And one thing that I like to tell my my clients and anyone who will listen when talking about the building codes, it's under it's it's important to understand that the building codes outline the worst the worst building that you're legally allowed to build so building to code should be you know a, a very low bar to achieve to, to set out for i like to say like if you invest a little bit more if you invest 20 percent more into your building envelope into the efficiency of your home you could drastically cut your heating and cooling costs 
up to 70 or 80%. Mm-hmm. So, and it's not just about the return on investment in terms of saving money. It's more about the health of you and the people who are going to be living in your home because a properly designed home, a properly designed building envelope will lead to a healthy, healthier home, uh, better indoor air quality. And that's something that needs to be understand by clients even at this schematic level because it's very easy to get to get down the line in the 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 floor plan layout or or you know your bathrooms or your your kitchen design but if if the energy if the energy aspect of that and the efficiency aspect of that isn't at least discussed at the early stages i think that you're missing an opportunity so what do you suggest to enhance the efficiency of the home well, number one, um, up here uh, in the Northeast, we're I, I'm I'm recommending building uh, thicker exterior walls with more insulation. But more importantly, is exterior insulation, the, the uh, rigid insulation that's on the exterior of your framing, that will provide a thermal break. Because even if you have insulation in between the studs, there's still a, a thermal conductivity path. Right from the studs to through the outside, so the 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 insulation on the exterior provides that thermal break, and that thermal break needs to be continuous all the way from your foundations all the way up to your roof. Do um, you suggest framing or a solid block homes? Mostly up here, we're we're framed, oh, right? Okay. And while we're in the south, I think it's it's a little bit more common to do a, a block home, correct? Uh, no, it's it's going more to frame. More going more to, yeah. to framing, yeah. Do you have um, a lot of stucco out, out in Arizona? Uh-huh. Yeah, we do. And I do One notice thing- I have a block home, and when it's, it takes longer to cool it because the heat stays in the house. And then in the morning, yep. like in this time of the year, we might get down to 40. And so your home with a block home is colder, and then the heat has to stay on longer. So yep. it's even though people think, oh, yeah, block home is better, I personally don't think so. Yeah, you it it definitely does absorb that heat, and it takes a little bit longer for it to heat up. That's mm-hmm. that's for sure. One thing with stucco, though, that I want to say, um, and this is with with just about any finished material on a framed home, especially if it's a wood framed home. With maybe the exception of vinyl, all of your exterior finishes need to have an an air layer behind it. It needs to. It's called a rain screen. Um, it essentially puts your your siding or your stucco out a little bit from your framing to provide not only a drainage space for the condensation that could build up, but it also allows airflow behind your your exterior finishes and allows it the backside of your siding or your stucco to to dry out. And that's incredibly important with the way that that how homes are built so tightly these days, right? Back. 50 years ago when when things weren't built as tight you didn't need that airspace because it was dried out from the air passing from the interior of the house uh to the to the outside but these days especially um what i'm learning with stucco is if you have stucco over wood framing and there's no airspace behind it then it's a a recipe for mold and that mold will grow very quickly so Mm. again just understanding that that the the construction of your building will affect the health of your of the people that are living in there. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, 
Do you have uh, a lot of people asking about mold? Or do they not worry about it until they see it growing in their, on their wall? Most people don't worry about it until they see it growing on their walls. But, yeah, it's it's something that, that needs to be talked about in the design stage because you don't want to design something. I don't want to design something that I know is going to be um, a, a catalyst for, for growing mold. Right? So. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot. Well, as we're talking, I'm sure people are listening, thinking there's a lot more to know or to ask your architect about when you're going to build a house. And we didn't even start talking about the fun stuff. I mean, there's so much pre-planning. Then we're already kind of over our time. Yeah, Um, it's it's a lot of it's a lot of pre-planning. And again, even just the just talking about it takes takes a while and sometimes clients sometimes homeowners will will contact me and say uh you know it's uh it's february 2nd chris uh we want to start building in april (laughs) i just have to laugh at that because like we're we're not even going to get to the design before april right because we have to go through all this we have to go through all these steps in in making sure that everything is is correct and how you want it before we can even start um, you know, maybe we can have a, a, a schematic design, but to have, you know, a design worked out and then the drawings done and then a contractor on board uh, in a in a couple of months, it's it's a little unrealistic. So just, again, understanding those expectations, cost and schedule. Yeah. Well, do you think we should continue this next week? I mean. Oh, Nancy, I'd love to continue this discussion with oh, you. Oh, I would, too, because there is a lot to know. And yeah. rather than just skip through it so that people know, oh, you're an architect, I want a house, and, oh, I can't wait to pick out the flooring. I mean, there's a lot before that. I uh, talked to a, well, I was introduced to a potential client, and I said, do you have any idea what you want to do in your kitchen? I mean, I need to know the layout, the function. Mm-hmm. And she said, well, this is my granite. I love this color. And try to explain to people that you're putting the cart before the horse because yeah, yeah. I'm not interested in color, in mm-hmm. even the kind of wood on your cabinets. Let's get the layout. And with you, there's so much pre-planning and so much to do before they walk in that front door of their new home. So yeah, and, and that's one of the th- first things: have an open mind, right? Don't be yeah. stuck. Don't be stuck on this vision that you have in, in your in your head because we're not there yet, right? I don't want to. I don't want to know about what the house is going to look like when we haven't even done a site analysis. Well, I can understand it. They get excited. They, mm-hmm. they, you know, they're envisioning the home with their little family room and their furniture is in it. And I've even had people order furniture before we even get started. So, oh, and wow. <laughs> of course, the uh, time frame now is longer than it used to be. Mm-hmm. Are you having a hard time getting building materials? For up up here, yes, there there's a delay in getting building materials. But right now, what I'm seeing is it's hard for homeowners to find contractors to do the work. They're also all busy. The con- busy. All the contractors are so busy, yeah. right? And it's it's really really hard for them to find to find qualified well, people. We're to, experiencing you know. that here too. But with everything, you've got to get yeah. your tile setter. You've got to get your contractor, and yep. Um, and I keep saying, well, I'm just starting another job where it's pretty big. And the contractor said, well, you're not on my schedule yet because I didn't get the signed contract. Yeah. He got the money, but not the signed contract. And people have to understand, we need all of the ducks in a row before you start doing what you got to do. 
Mm-hmm. And we can talk about this next time, but I, mm-hmm. I also recommend bringing a contractor in early. So, um, you know, maybe that's a good, that's uh, a good... Se- maybe that's a good segue. But I, I love having a contractor as part of the team from the early from the early stages. Oh, I agree totally. And so we're going to pick up on that next week. I want to thank you for today. I know we're both busy, like everybody mm-hmm. in this business is extremely busy. But I hope everybody. Uh, Especially if you're thinking of building or remodeling, if you got some good points, make sure that you come back next week. Chris, I will be here next week, and so will you. All right, Nancy. See you later. Yes. Hope everybody enjoyed today's show. And please subscribe on the platform you're using to listen to these podcasts. As podcasters, and Chris is one of them, we depend on people who subscribe. I think that's important. So please do it. Don't put it off. And don't forget to share these podcasts with your friends. They are loaded with so much information that you might have friends who really need to know about whatever we're talking about. So tell them about it. And if you want to learn more about me, you can go to nancyhugo.com. And if you have any questions for myself or for Chris, you can email me at nancy at nancyhugo.com. Stay safe. Have a great day. And come back next week and learn more. Chris, that was great. Yeah, thanks. There is a lot yeah. to a lot to talk about. Matter oh, of I fact, know. if we can get everything, the rest of it in next week, that'd be great. But I wanted to ask you about doing a podcast a couple of months down the road about working with projects for handicap. Oh sure, yeah. I, I've done a lot of a lot of multifamily housing projects where and senior housing where we're designing for for not only. Uh, accessibility full accessibility but also aging in place mm-hmm. um and i'm actually working with with a client right now designing a custom home for him and and he has uh, a hereditary disease where he everyone in his family at some point in their you know 60s or so ends up in a wheelchair so he we're building a custom house and he says chris i know i'm going to end up in a wheelchair so we need to design this to be completely handicap accessible from the beginning. Mm-hmm. I've been doing that for probably 30 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, to me, I, I think it's just common sense. And I've told people just sit in a wheelchair for one day yeah. and you'll know exactly. And, and I'll talk more about that later. But anyway, so yes, that was one of the questions. So um, we're set for February 2nd, is it? Yep. February 2nd and 12 o'clock. Uh, February 2nd. 12 o'clock your time, 10 o'clock my time, just like we did today. Oh, sure. I have 11.30, but that's fine. 12 o'clock's fine. 12 o'clock? Yeah, that's great for me. Okay. Well, thanks a lot, Chris. Have a good week. Or have a good two days. I'll talk to you uh, on the 2nd. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Bye, Chris. Bye.